Welcome to the eighth and final installment on the Best Ball Study Hall, studying the eighth division with the Sharks. Uh, we've done all seven. The last one is the NFC West, which includes the champion Los Angeles Rams. The Los Angeles Rams had never won a Super Bowl, despite being a top team throughout most of the 70s. Um, very good teams in the 80s before they moved to St. Louis and nothing and they finally got it done. And I'm joined by Jared Smola again. I probably should introduce him. Um, welcome. I mean, the, the Rams sold out for this season as much as any team I can remember in, in my lifetime, you know, with the amount of draft picks they've traded. Um, so good, good for that to pay off for them. How did the Super Bowl treat you as far as betting and, and DFS and whatever else you had invested? I, I, you know, once the regular season's over, I just play a few token lineups. I think I won like $50 back when I played 75. Um, my best lineup, of course, had Odell Beckham. Oh. And it had, what was the backup tight end for the Rams who did pretty good? Uh, Bryson Hopkins. Hopkins, Hopkins, yeah. So I had Hopkins in that lineup. So if OBJ hadn't gotten hurt, you know, I mean, mm -hmm. it cashed as it was. Um, if Odell had um, stayed healthy, um, I mean, the yeah. game really changed when he got hurt. Death. And, you know, it's funny to me because now everyone wants to talk about Matt Stafford for the Hall of Fame. And I just don't see it. That being said, I don't, I'm a giant fan who doesn't think Eli Manning deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. I mean, if you really look at his, you know, I just don't feel a guy who was, you know, for most of his career, the 10th to 15th best guy at his position. Exactly. Even the position of quarterback, to me, that's not Hall of Fame. Now, Eli, I at least can see it because they don't win those two. Ch I mean, you can't say that. A big part of why they won was Eli. Eli played fantastic. Matt Stafford played well, above average, right? I have no complaints. I was rooting for him. I, him and Odell was why I was rooting for the Rams. Happy for the guy. Just don't think he's a Hall of Famer. Did you see but, that? Did you see the no look pass though on the on the game winning drive? Oh, it was, it was outstanding. Was, yeah, that was. I mean, he's an above average quarterback, and he made he made one great play, but he did what he needed to do, and he yeah. deserves credit for it. I don't think it lifts him in the way that Eli Manning's drive at the end against the great Patriots defense does. And then Eli brought it back with a second Super Bowl championship where he really was the main reason they won. And even then, I, mean, I, st I still look at Eli's career and think he was an average quarterback, above average quarterback who had two right. elite playoff runs. So at least that one to me is a, a, a coin flip. More like it should be a three-headed coin with Eli only getting in one of the three times. But anyway. I'm with you in that I think the bar to get into the Hall of Fame is too low. You know, I, I would have. I don't think it is at other positions. I mean, when oh, you see, look, see, like I, a guy yeah, like do, Tony, but a guy like Tony Baselli waiting, you know, Heinz Ward hasn't had a sniff. And I think Heinz Ward, you can make a case that Heinz Ward was a, you know, uh, a Hall of Fame wide receiver. It's yeah. only a quarterback where if you accumulate enough statistics and get a championship, they want to put you in the Hall of Fame. 
Well, and all the stats need to be era adjusted. Like you can't be comparing, you know, guys playing now to, you know, quarterbacks playing in the seventies. Yeah, exactly. And they want to say, well, what are you going to count pro bowls? And I'm like, (laughs) well, yeah, I am. Right. Like, because to me to be in the hall of fame, you need to consistently be uh, in the top five at your position. Right. That's, the Hall of Fame, not the Hall of Good, um, you know, <laughs> yeah. and, um, and and you know. So again, uh, I think at yeah. quarterback, uh, the bar is lower than at other positions. And but meanwhile, a guy like Tony Bazzelli, who is clearly one of the best one or two tackles during his career for most mm-hmm. of his career, you know, it's taken him eight to ten years. I think he got in this time. Um, but yeah, anyway. that's that's a good point. I, the, the the last point I'd make on Stafford is that you know his his career is not over yet. He is you know he might have four or five years left, and maybe he gets another ring. Yeah. Um, so, but even so we'll this I mean, year, I, was he, was he a top five quarterback this year? No, top ten probably, but probably not top top five. ten. Right, um, that's not yeah, Hall but of I'm, Fame. I'm gonna do if you know if he retired tomorrow. Stafford would not make my Hall no. of Fame ballot. I don't I don't have a Hall of Fame ballot though. I don't either. But if I ever got one, he wouldn't be on it. And that's not that I don't think he's a good player, right? And that's the thing. People want life to be black and white. I just think the Hall of, you know, for most positions, there's a backlog because they only put in six guys a year. And, you know, there's a lot of guys who were clearly in the top five at their position for most of their career at other positions who aren't going to get in. Right. When when it first started with the Eli Manning in the Hall of Fame talk and I'm a Giants fan, I like Eli. But I mean, I remember way too many Sundays where his turnovers were greater than any other part of his game. And I was like, what? Eli for the Hall of Fame? Are you crazy? (laughs) You know, I mean, he had, you know, a great Super Bowl or two, but Eli for the Hall of Fame? No. But again, quarterbacks, it's just a different thing because they get so much credit when they win. Yep. And so much blame when they don't. Honestly, we just spent seven minutes or eight minutes talking about the Hall of Fame when I could really not give a crap, right? Like, put them in. I, I don't care, right? Like, my life is not going to change based on who's in the Hall of Fame. On to the NFC West. Let's do it. On to the NFC West. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, Jim Morrison said the West is the best. Um, and this year it was. So... Let's look at Mr. Stafford's stats. 601 attempts at 67%. That's very good. 41 touchdowns, 17 interceptions. I mean, this is about as, I I would guess this is the, well, again, he played an extra game, but even still, I don't think he's ever broke. He broke 41, 40 touchdowns one other year. Stafford finished quarterback five in fantasy points, um, which is pretty impressive considering he doesn't do much with his legs. He had a six point, you know, you talked about those touchdowns, uh, 6.8% touchdown rate for Stafford this past season. That was a career high and it was second highest league wide behind only Aaron Rodgers. So that's kind of where you got to bake in some regression when you're projecting Stafford for 2022, his touchdown rate is probably going to come down. The other question too, and you know, we'll, we'll get into the, the free agents here, but Odell Beckham is a free agent. And of course now with his ACL, I think it's more likely than not that he's not ready for week one. And you have Robert Woods coming off the ACL. Stafford's weaponry, I think, is a bit of a question at, at this point of the offseason. 
Well, and so is his head coach, right? McVay is said, we'll see yeah. as far as coming back. McVay is just like his quarterback. People want to be black and white. He's good or he's bad. <laughs> I mean, he's obviously been good enough to, for them to be a very serious contender for the Super Bowl the whole time he's there. But he does kind of tighten up in big spots and make very conservative decisions that are negative EV. But it's kind of very similar, you know, to the conversation about that we've had about Kirk Cousins and some of those other quarterbacks. Okay, well, you know, he's not the greatest. So if he leaves, you know, it's guys as good as he is don't grow on trees. And, um, you know, Kevin O'Connell has left. They're going to be in a bit of trouble, I think, if he does leave. Yeah, which I'd be kind of surprised if he leaves. You know, not that I have any, you know, inside info or info that you don't have. I would, it, it just would surprise me. Um, a guy, you know, at the level that he's at, you know, just won a Super Bowl at his age. Um, I'd be surprised if, if he left. So I'm not really factoring that into any of my Rams. Have you seen his, have, have you seen his future wife? <laughs> I, I have. Yeah. I mean, you know, if there's a reason to, uh, you know, take, you know, he could take a few years off, have a really nice honeymoon and come back and, uh, and, and get a job anywhere he wants it. Um, so I wouldn't rule it out. Um, you know, I, 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 I'm a giant fan and Parcells used to always play at Coy. And in the beginning we'd be like, ah, I'd never leave the giants. Well, guess what? He left, right? When do they t- tend to leave? They tend to leave right after uh, a Super Bowl. Sure. Uh, say something. I got to text somebody. <laughs> well, that's about it on Stafford for me. Um, I think, you know, the, the next guy here is, is Cooper Cup and just how high should we be taking him in early drafts? I mean, I've seen him go, you know, second overall. He rarely gets out of the top five. You know, I, I was – I haven't done my Rams projections yet. I think I'm going to get to that tomorrow. Um, but I, I was looking at Cup today, and like you know, he had a historic season. So obviously, you're going to project some regression in his 2022 numbers. But I, you know, I'm not sure how much regression I'm going to project. You, you know, so Cup averaged 10.2 yards per target this past season. That's a high number, but it's not like crazy high, and it's actually not even his career high. He averaged 10.3 yards per target back in 2018. That was only eight games. So you know, great, you know. Grain of salt well, and, and and another Twitter debate, how much of an upgrade uh, was uh, Stafford over Goff? A huge one. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, and, exactly. and, and he likes throwing to Cup because Cup's always open, right? Yeah. And certain quarterbacks just, you know, just like certain coaches are willing to use players more than others, right? Like Baker Mayfield, whether he has having a good game or a bad game, I don't like playing Baker Mayfield for DFS because uh, his receivers as much because he mixes it up so much. Mm-hmm. Stafford is a guy who will feed his his one, right? Yep. Um, so I do like that about him. Um, they're 10 million uh, over the cap. So you saw me look at that. And then we go inside. I mean, Aaron Donald is also mentioned retiring. I, I don't see either of them doing it, but you know, they, they, there's really no, there's really, you know, Andrew Whitworth, they can save a couple shekels on. Um, yeah, he's probably, he's going to retire, right? So that, he's yeah, gonna come off I, I mean, that he'll probably retire, but that leaves yeah. a, a big hole. 
There's yep. not a lot of uh, dead cap here. Um, yeah. And Stafford, you know, doesn't have a big base salary. So he has a, ten, you know, I mean, he's cheap for a, a franchise quarterback. You wonder if he'll That's angle for a, a new deal this offseason. So on underdog, right? Is Cup your wide receiver one? Is Cup your wide receiver one right now? Yeah, he's, he's clearly yeah. my wide receiver one. But that being said, I saw something Justin Herzig said. I don't want to take a wide receiver in a half PPR at three. But my thoughts were, you know, the way the board's playing out right now, when you get down to about 23 to 24, I mean, you got Chubb, you got Kamara, you got Barkley at 24, Gibson at 26, Akers at 27. I feel really much better about them than I do C.D. Lamb or D.K. Metcalf. And I forget if it was with you or with Matt that I made the comment, you know, the key to drafting, you know, and this is one of those zero running back conversations, but the key to drafting is we know that running backs are always going to be negative EV to wide receivers, but you still need two of them. (laughs) And so my goal is always to take them, you know, where I can tell myself a story that they can score as much as the guys next to them. And then I'll make it up later at wide receiver when the running back scoring falls off a cliff. So I, I'm, I don't know that. I mean, I tried it both ways. You know, I st- I took Derrick Henry um, at three once, and I took Cooper Cup at three once. I like my team a lot better with Cup. I have no issue at all with Cup, but really even like a Tyreek Hill at, at three after uh, Jonathan Taylor and Christian McCaffrey are off the board. I mean, just the safety you're getting with those guys, and that's a great point you're making. I, I, we, we've talked about it. The running backs right now that you can get at the two-three turn are, are really attractive, and you know, we'll, we'll see if that changes. You know, that's the thing. You know, if I look at – what I feel my edge is over the quote average or even above average drafter. I feel it is that I'm able to play the board better. Yeah. Right. That most people look at things like, well, I like this guy better than that guy. Right. Where I look at it like, all right, if I take the guy I like by a little bit more, am I going to hit a dead zone at wide receiver and not like my whole wide receiver core. Right. Or vice versa. So, Build your teams so that you have the best overall team. And when you look at win rates, now this is FFPC win rates. Up front here, 13, 13, 17, 12, 17, 13, 19, 11. Tyreek was 21. Eckler was 30. Um, Last year, nobody really separated themselves. And that's very unusual for the um, the first round. Eckler at 30, but that's really the equivalent of 15% win rate. That can change. So I, I do like mixing up uh, my players in the first round. Yeah, those first round numbers are interesting. And it, I think the advance rates or the win rates were so flat, not because all those guys were good. It's because a lot of those guys were disappointments. Correct. Right? Like they were, they were, there were a ton of landmines in the first round. Yeah, and, and where you've really got a win rate, and you normally don't get a win rate like this in the early second round. It's no, you know, but Jonathan Taylor is 48%. A yeah. lot of it was because you could mix him with Austin Eckler in a lot of teams and just have way, you know, and, and also, so here's the, you know, Calvin Ridley was the, you know, this is what you normally see in the first round. 
the four and the 48. You will not find that anywhere else on the draft board, something that low near something that high. And that is, you know, I do this every year. You will never see it in other parts. You know, just to show you, Debo, 33%, right next to him, Cortland Sutton, seven, and Raheem Mostert, eight. Yep. Right? So Mostert missed the whole season, was drafted right next to Debo, and he had twice the win rate of Ridley, uh, advance rate of Ridley, who played a few games, gave you a few games scoring. So you, you typically only get those big swings early. Yeah. And that, that's just an illustration of how important those first couple picks are. And even, you know, even to tie that back into the cup point, if you go back to that table, um, if you look at the highest win rate guys in the first round, Outside of Austin Eckler, it's Tyree Kill, it's Devontae Adams, and it's Travis Kelsey, the non-running backs. And I think you know that goes back to Cup, where you know he's safer than a lot of the running backs that are going to be going behind him in these drafts. And again, this is just one year. Well, you have to, but you have to look at it, right? So yeah. McCaffrey was injured. Yep. Dalvin missed a couple games. Kamara was injured, and was on an offense that kind of fell apart. Didn't have a quarterback. Derrick Henry, 17% win rate, missed, you know, six, seven games. Yep. Zeke was hurt a little bit, but, you know, that that's that's Zeke, right? I mean, that's even if he had played a game or two more, you wouldn't get much more out of him. So I see your point on running back, but you also see that's the thing about advance rates. You really have to think about every condition that led to him. So the one takeaway I have from the first and second round is that's why I never want more than 15% of a guy yeah. and I never want less than 5% of a guy. And the reason is we're not as smart as we think we are. Yeah. And because injuries are something that none of us can control and that you can get a 4% like you got with Calvin Ridley, you don't want to have too many eggs in one basket what you want to do is mix it up early and then build really good teams around that. And, you know, like if you look what, like I did this thing and I think I told you about it, but if, uh, if you look over here, you see my win rate. So I won uh, Debo had a win rate of 33%, but I won 63%. I advanced 63% of my Debo teams 60% of my Brady teams. Eckler, I was right with what he did. So that's where you win. Where you win is by hitting the, the, the big later guys. That's in, in other words, you don't need a million percent ownership because you can get 50, 60% win rates, uh, advance rates with some of these later guys. But that was one of the big takeaways from what I studied. Look at Cup. I know it was only four drafts, but his advance rate was 44, mine was 50. Taylor, 48 and 50. You would think as good of a year as I had that the, I would have been able to increase those. But look here, and, and Eckler was another one. Early pick. I mean, I had a really good year, but I, I, you know, almost double the advance rate of average. And then you go down to Mike Evans, 55 versus 29. Her, well, that's only two. Najee, 38 versus 28. Gronk, 
60 versus 28. Mark Andrews, 75 versus 27. So that's all the more why I'm really careful with my first two round picks. I hope that it made sense. Makes total sense. This has turned into a best ball theory show, not an NFC West show, though. Sorry about that. <laughs> no, I love it. All right. So let's look at Akers. His ADP is dropping. You know, everyone wanted, you know, it's fu- so funny. Everyone wants to anoint you one minute and kill you the next. <laughs> yeah. Where would you feel comfortable taking Akers right now? Because just even here, he was running back 14. Let me refresh. This is a day or two old. He's still 14. He dropped a couple picks. Yeah. He was yeah, 27. He, he's already dropped the pick 29. I mean, I'd take him at 29 for sure. Third round seems right for me. And maybe even, you know, the tail end of the second. I get the efficiency was bad, you know, since he returned. But he also returned from an Achilles injury that he suffered, what, in, in mid July? Like, what, like, did you expect him to be at 100%? I didn't even expect him to play. In the playoffs, I wasn't I wasn't buying the reports that you know started in like midseason saying he had a chance to play in the playoffs. Um, I don't know. We and I we should hear for hear from some medical people, but I got to imagine he's going to be much closer to one hundred percent, if not at one hundred percent for twenty twenty two. So I, I'm not super concerned about the poor efficiency in, in in the playoffs. Well, and also when when do I get concerned? I get concerned when people underperform other backs on their team. You know, yep. you look at that game on Sunday, all three backs ran the ball about the same, yep. right? Yeah, I will I will be interested in Akers some at a discount. I think there's some risk. You got dueling thoughts. One, I love how once he got back in, he was made the alpha. So McVay, as long as McVay's there, he's going to have first chance to be the alpha, and someone's really going to have to beat him out for him not to be. And if he's the alpha, he's going to get a workload that's going to pay off that ADP. Yeah, now I'm so the, I guess the counterpoint I'd make here is that the only game this season Akers played with Daryl Henderson was the Super Bowl, and we saw Henderson play a lot, at least on passing downs in the Super Bowl. You know, he he had a he had a pretty nice game catching the ball. Henderson did. Uh, in that win over the Bengals. So I, my, my bigger my bigger concern with Akers, it's not the Achilles. It's just that we have a tiny sample so far of him being that workhorse back. And I think it's still possible. It's you know more of a 60-40 split with, with Henderson mixing in. I, yeah, I, I think it's I, possible. I, I don't think uh, – but, uh, yes, okay. I think that's fair. And I also think it's fair that if he's not healthier, that he could really struggle. You know, in other words, he, he could he could have the advantage early, but he, he's going to need to play better than what he showed. For sure. For sure. So so there's definitely a risk on him. The ceiling, though, is, you know, a guy that we should be taking, you know, inside the top 10 picks. Like, you know, if he, if he is the workhorse and he's as good as some people think he is and he's in this, you know, top five offense, then we're talking about, you know, a potential top five fantasy back. So that's where you got to kind of weigh – the risk versus reward. So to me, you know, once you, once you get into the third round, if, if he's your, you know, second running back behind a Christian McCaffrey and, you know, you took a, a wide receiver like an AJ Brown and you come back with acres, or even if, you know, if he's your third running back and once you get into the third round at this point in the off season is where I'd be comfortable taking him. And he might slip as far as the fourth. We're going to have to keep an eye on that. Sony Michelle to me is an interesting guy. Uh, well, let's look at their free agents real quick. 
Yeah, Michelle's a free agent. I think he's worth a pickup. I think he showed enough this year, but he's risky. You know, he's like Dante Foreman, um, a guy that I think showed that he deserves a role, but there's only so many roles out there. Uh, It'll be interesting to see where the musical chairs land on some of these guys. Yeah, I think Michelle is a a fine back. He's not going to give you much in the passing game, which, you know, kind of makes me unexcited. Which is funny because coming out, he was thought of as a good pass catcher. Yeah, and I think it was, you know, as we've seen, someone like A.J. Dillon comes to mind. Like, most of these guys can do it if they're given the opportunity. So maybe Michelle lands in a spot where, you know, he gets 30 to 40 targets. Um, But I don't know. To to me, before we know. Running back 56. I think, you know, I think if he lands in a decent spot, yeah. he's going to move up the board and end up, you know, in the top, you know, top 20, 30 running backs. For sure. But I think kind of as you were alluding to, there's not a ton of like really good landing spots for a running back. There's just there's just too many. Th- that's why you mix it up, right? You yeah. mix yep. it up between him, Foreman, a couple of these other guys who really see. But the thing that I always like to do is I always like to pick guys who show that if they do get the opportunity, they have the talent to really do it. You know, people are taking Ronald Jones ahead of him, Jarek McKinnon ahead of him, Chuba Hubbard. Michelle's a former first-round pick. Like, he was a really nice-looking prospect coming out of Georgia. I get what you're you're saying, and I'm on board. I think um, taking some shots on him at RB56 is, is definitely worth it right now. Yeah. Because you've got guys like Naheem Hines, uh, Mostert, uh, Gaskin, Chubba Hubbard, Henderson, McKinnon. I love Khalil Herbert. Um, But Ronald Jones, Chris Carson, who might never play again, is going ahead of him. I'm happy to throw some uh, Sony Michelle shares in there um, instead of some of those guys. Um, Van Jefferson uh, did not play well. Ben Skoranek. I mean, when Odell Beckham got hurt, that whole team changed. On one hand, I could see the case for Van Jefferson, yeah. but I don't think Stafford likes him all that much. I don't think he's that – I mean, I didn't like him as a prospect coming in, and like no, nothing he's done over the last couple of years has really changed my mind on that. The, the argument in his favor is, again, that Odell Beckham is a free agent coming off of you know, February ACL – and Robert Woods tore his ACL in what was it November or December? So and it's getting older. Yeah. So I mean, Jefferson could open the season as the Rams' number two wide receiver. That that's that's the best argument in favor of him. What's what's his ADP at? I'm a, it's probably higher than I'd be willing to take him. Um, wide receiver sixty one, pick one thirty four. Okay, that's fine. I I mean I have no arguments against him going to wide receiver sixty one. I guess yeah, I don't either, ex- except. Jarvis Landry goes 135, Russell Gage 139, Julio 141, LaVisca 143, Curtis Parker. Samuel 147. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's, so many da- there's so many damn wide receivers. Well, that that's more my point. In a vacuum, right. he seems pretty good. Uh, yeah. He's a guy that I will only have in with Stafford right now. That's fair. Right? Yeah. I, I just yeah. don't see the upside otherwise. I would rather take a shot on some of those other names. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm with you there. I thought Ben Skoranek might be draftable, but boy, I don't think he's draftable. Maybe no, maybe last um, round is part of a stack, but I don't know. I I think um, yeah, there were reports pre Super Bowl that Beckham kind of wanted to come back to L.A., and I think the ACL probably makes that more likely. 
just because you know these teams it aren't going to know it about the It just doesn't need. make it likely that he plays right away. Um, right. I mean, he ba- he barely. You remember when he tore it the first time? It was much earlier in the season, yep. and he started. I don't remember if he started on the list, but he, he didn't did. he play missed, really until like yeah, he, week three or four. Right. He missed. He missed the first two games of this past season after tearing his ACL in October of uh, right. 2020. So yeah, I I would expect Beckham to land on the pup list and miss the first six games of the season, but but you know we'll we'll see. Yeah, he's he's tough for me to take right now. Yeah. All right, the Cardinals. Kyler is, you know, had another good year, but he also got hurt again. And he's having a little bit of a hissy fit. And he's starting to drop. His ADP is the end of the fifth round. That's still, you know, pretty expensive. Yeah, I have one team so far. I'm kind of neutral on him because he's hard to stack with other than Hopkins. He is. I, you know, they, they have some work to do in the pass catching core. Um, you know, Zach Ertz is a free agent. Christian Kirk is a free agent. I think AJ Green is a free agent. Yeah. Um, and man, that, that offense needs a downfield threat. Like they tried to do it with Andy Isabella. He's been a total bust. They, they did it with AJ Green this past year and he was honestly better than I thought he was going to be. But I mean, you know, they, they can, they he can do it better at the end though. Yeah. I mean, he's 35 or whatever. DJ Chark would be an awesome fit there. I think. If you had Chark and Hopkins on the outside and Rondell Moore in the slot, I think they, they need a vertical element there. I think Kyler Murray throws a nice deep ball. Um, I think that'd be big. So I'm curious to see what they do there. Yeah, the interesting note with Kyler, if you look at his his uh, you know numbers by year, his rushing production was way down this past season from 2020. It was actually kind of in line with what he did in his rookie season 2019. So at this one, it kind of looks like the, the 2020 rushing production was an outlier and we should sort of expect him to, to, you know, stay where he was this past season, which is fine. I mean, you know, he was still one of the you know top five running quarterbacks in the NFL, but it wasn't quite what he gave us uh, the previous season. Yeah. I, I, to me, it's just a little bit of an opportunity cost. I mean, right now, if you give me Dak at pick 71 versus Kyler at pick 57, I'll take it. I'll take Rodgers at 80 over Kyler at 57. I'll yep. take Stafford at 81. Um, maybe even Jalen Hurts at 90. Um, so, I, you know, it's it, I'm not against Kyler, but yep. I'll I, I, unless I have Hopkins already, I will always be, you know, looking and seeing if there's someone else on that board. So where was he? 57. So he's going right around one of my favorite plays, Josh Jacobs. You talked me, I believe, into Pittman, or no, maybe that was it, was, uh, it would have been Matt. Yeah. It, was, yeah, yeah. it would have been yeah. Matt. Godwin yeah. is going there. Mike Williams, yeah. Michael Thomas. So uh, again, right now for me, unless I have Hopkins, I'm taking someone else there because I really feel like you know once you get past Mooney at 64. Renfro, Carter, Burks, Hawkinson, Gabriel Davis, Cooks. You know, I'd mu- that's why I said I'd much rather have Dak. There's a real kind of a dead zone right after, you know, and that goes back to the uh, earlier point about playing the board. I am not going to be taking Kyler Murray when I can get another quarterback I like later and avoid a dead zone at the other skill positions. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty much with you there. I've been surprised in general in these early drafts how highly those 
top five, six quarterbacks are going. I can't pull the trigger on Kyler in the uh, you know fifth even. Um, I, I'm Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes are going in like the second round or you know the third round third, in some of these. Really I, I just I just I I can't do it. The one reason to take someone like Kyler is unlike Stafford or Rodgers. Like Kyler has the upside to finish as quarterback one because no of that doubt. rushing ability. So I mean, yeah, no that, that's kind of that's what you're paying for. But I'm with you. I, you know, I, Jalen Hurts for sure going, you know, four rounds later than Kyler. I would Justin much rather after Hurts. Justin Fields, yeah, yep. Who we both like too. Yep. Um. All right. So the running back, both the running backs are gone. I have to think that they resign one of them. Me too. But I don't. You know, James Conner was one of my most stoned players last year. He was I awesome. just. He was very good. Um, and it, the thing that I think the bigger point to remember here is, and, and I said it this time last year, is that offense, the um, air raid, is historically, you know, you think of it as a passing offense, but yeah. because of how it opens up all the lanes, it's also a very good running back offense. So the yep. bigger takeaway on Connor and Edmonds to me is who's going to be the Arizona back this year? Right, that's the guy that I'm going to want to draft if I can. Yeah, and may, you know maybe they bring them both back. We'll see. You know, Connor's season was so interesting. You know, the first until Edmonds got hurt, Connor was just living on the touchdowns, which you know you can't really bank on going forward. But then when Edmonds got hurt, like Connor was the feature back, and he was doing a ton in the passing game, and he was awesome in the passing game, and he was still scoring those rushing touchdowns on the ground. If you look at some of the advanced stuff, you know, the PFF grades and the elusive rating and that type of stuff, Connor was really good last season and he feels older than he is. He, he you know, he turns 27 in May. So like, yeah, he's kind of nearing the end, but he's not at the age where like, I think he's going to drop off a cliff this coming season. So uh, I'm interested in him. I, you know, think returning to Arizona probably be the best case for him. And if, if he returns to Arizona without Chase Edmonds, like I, you know, then I, I don't know. You're talking about a top 15 fantasy back. If it's kind of like just him there. Yeah. I, I think, um, I think he's interesting. I would love to see a guy like Isaiah Spiller in this offense, you know, that the, the, because of his acceleration, you give him a lane and he's gone. Uh, and he's also a really good pass catcher. So I think they'll add to someone. I don't think, even if they let Edmonds go, I don't think that they're going to just, give James Conner the ball. I think they'll bring someone else in. And basically if, if, if it's another case of where the, what we consider the one a is available in the sixth, seventh round and one B is available in the ninth, 10th round, I'll be interested in both of them for the same reasons I was interested uh, mostly in Conner this year, but I, um, I did stack cuff the two together in a, a number of drafts. Uh, because uh, I felt like they both gave you a good enough floor at their yeah. draft spot that one week, almost every week, one of them would give you a usable score. And then if you had an injury, as we saw, then you get some real nice spike weeks as well. Um, that's a, that's a, 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 a something that I rarely do. I'm always on the lookout for my ideal situation to do it with. And the only one I found this year was uh, with the Cardinals and it, it worked out good. 
Yeah, it's just a great point you make about this being a running back friendly offense. You think back to 2020, Kenny and Drake finished RB15 as Arizona's lead back. And I believe in 2019, when Drake came over midseason, he was like a he was a top 10 fantasy back over the second half of that season. So this is maybe even higher, maybe top five. Yeah, yeah so this is definitely um, a and then back, the next year, and then next year they just stopped throwing him the ball. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> Which, you know, that's always the thing that kills you. Just like how Cordell Patterson we talked about. How, you know, they, they, they turn him in uh, the last five games, they stop throwing him the ball. Yep. Right. I mean, he's a wide receiver. Why would you stop throwing him the ball? But they did. Um, I think Zach Ertz will probably resign here. I, I, oh, let's look at their, I mentioned on Twitter that I think, you know, Ertz going to Jacksonville to reunite with Doug Peterson would make sense. And I know you, you came back with you, you thinking Ertz is going to stay in Arizona. I think yeah, I could, I could see both. Um, again, it's going to come down to, I think, the money and who's willing to pay him more. Oh, uh, you know what it might come down to? Let, uh, let's, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a search. Tell me if you see it. Yeah, we can see it. Where's Angel City FC? That's Los yeah, Angeles, right? It makes sense. <laughs> this, is, this is next level. All right. So well, Arizona's closer. Oops. Yeah. So, uh, that, yeah, that's my point, right? Like, and he was, and, and he was good. You know, uh, in Arizona over the second half of the season, so that'd be a fine spot for his fantasy. This value. offense creates lanes. If you're talented and able to get open, this yeah. offense is, you know, Zach Ertz. Uh, I, I, uh, I wish I had done more stack cuffing with Goddard and Ertz. Right. <laughs> you know, that would have been a good stack cuff, right? You know, you yeah, get they're Goddard. They're both, they're both like top 10 round, over the second half And of the Ertz year, was yeah. in the 16th right. round, and then they both ended up, you know, and, and there was a very good chance that Ertz was going to be traded. That was a bit of a missed opportunity for me. DeAndre Hopkins? So, uh, I've been drafting a lot of them. Yeah, where's, I know where, he's getting a little yeah. older, but he's going in the third round, uh, pick yeah. 30, when you uh, put in who's around him. I mean, he turned. Keenan he turned, Allen, yeah. Kyle Pitts, turns, Deontay Johnson. Hopkins turns thirty this coming June, so like you know, he's he's not at the point where I'm worried about him dropping off. Um, and it's not the type of guy who 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 depends on um, athleticism. Yeah, uh, well, not right. a, uh, getting. Um, it's like Larry Fitzgerald, right? Everyone when Larry yeah. Fitzgerald got older said. Well, you know, yeah, well, Larry Fitzgerald was didn't need to be open to be open. And I think DeAndre Hopkins is the same way. I agree. And, you know, he dealt with the few injuries this past season, but he had only missed one game with injury prior to this past year. So I, I still think he's a pretty safe bet. And again, you have Zach Ertz as a free agent. You have Christian Kirk and AJ Green as free agents. You know, we'll see who they bring back. But you know, Hop the, the thing about Hopkins this past year, his target share was way down. Um, you know, even in the games where he was totally healthy, he was around a 22% target share. Um, you know, he was up at 28% in 2020. Yeah, that's and, the biggest know, it, thing that's worrying. It's strange. I mean, he was a target hog in, in Houston. So, you know, like this past year was more of well, the outlier. I, I mean, we've already established Cliff Kingsbury has a good system, but isn't that sharp? Yeah, but again, you know, yeah, Hopkins sense. had 28% of the targets in his first year with Arizona. So the the, the drop off in his second year, you would have expected it to climb, if anything. And they, you know, they added Rondell Moore, Zach Ertz arrived, Christian Kirk took on a bigger role. So that, that all kind of ate away. But I, I guess my point is I would expect Hopkins' target share to rebound at least a little bit, you know, maybe not back up to 28%, but, you know, maybe back to 23, 24, 25% uh, this coming season. 
More worrying is that they're barely under the salary cap and they've got a quarterback on a rookie deal. Yeah. You know, they've got some that, you know, JJ Watt would hit them for 15 million. There's not a, you know, a DJ Humphreys is cuttable, but you know, they're going to struggle. They're not going to have a lot of money, right? Like they, you know, teams always find money, but you might not find enough to do all the things you want to do. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying again with you know, guys like Ertz and Christian Kirk. Um, you know, that kind of brings me to, Ron, to, to Rondell Moore, who was disappointing as a rookie. But, like, if they lose Christian Kirk and A.J. Green, like, Rondell Moore is going to have to play a much bigger role in that passing game. Hopefully he plays a more diverse role. Like, the way they used him was just crazy. You know, he's everything was short. Like, his role has to change if he's going to be, like, a fantasy asset. You can't, you can't be a fantasy asset when all your passes are at the line of scrimmage. But I think he's capable of doing more, and I hope – Hope, uh, you know, in, in the years, the issue for me is he just didn't see, you know, like if you look at him versus Kadarius Tony, you just didn't see the kind of explosiveness for a quote quick guy out of Rondell that you would hope for, right? And that 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 was his calling card, his quicks, yep. Yep. right? That is more concerning to me and why I'm not bending over backwards to draft him early. He certainly could improve. Yeah. But he doesn't have the size, so he needs explosiveness. And typically, explosiveness is something that that shows. I don't disagree that, like, you know, Tony looked more explosive. I, I also, I, again, I just, I don't think Ronda Moore got much of a chance to show his explosiveness. Just the way that I, I hate, I hated how they used him. I still believe in him. I mean, I, t- to me, he looked plenty explosive on his college tape. He tested off the charts. So, like, I, I still, I think he's explosive. I think. Again, I just think they need to change the way they use him. And, you know, he's not going to be a guy who's, you know, getting targets, you know, 30 yards down. Like, that's not what he is. But they need to widen his route tree a bit more and just, you know, creative in how they use him rather than just giving him all these bubble screens and, uh, you know, jet sweeps and that type of stuff that like they were doing this past season. Yeah, I think that's why they drafted him to fill that role that they put him in. And it'll mm-hmm. be interesting to see if they expand it this year. Yep, hope so. The Niners are in the exact same cap space as the Cardinals, but Jimmy Garoppolo can be taken off there, and yep. that will open up a lot of room. Only fourteen hundred in dead cap, only fourteen hundred, uh, one point four million in signing bonus. So his contract right now, this is the last year of his contract. So. Yeah, they can recoup most of that by letting him go or trading him. That'll open up yeah. some space for the team. Garoppolo's gone. I mean, you know, he's he's not going to be on that team this season, so that that's going to free up a, a bunch. Which um, brings us to the question, and you and I talked about it when we talked about Chicago and Justin Fields. I yeah. mean, right now, to me, Trey Lance at quarterback eight is a little insane. It is, and I want to not 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 insane, but. I, I think that there's a lot more chance for him to finish quarterback 15 than there is for him to really pay off and kill you if you don't have much of him. Yes, it's going to be, t- and he could pay, like he could finish top five. He could. Um, but he just I, didn't I, seem like that natural of a runner, right? You know, like when I watched his yeah. tape, I go ahead. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, I, I don't disagree. Um, what, what I like was they gave him a chance to run. He had uh, 16 carries in his first start, eight carries in his second start. 
Um, so if he's getting that type of, type of opportunity, the rushing production is going to be there. And I think, you know, there's also questions on him as a passer, but you know, you, you talked about Kingsbury's offense, creating throwing lanes, Shanahan's offense creates throwing lanes. And when you have Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk and George Kittle, like even if Lance is a below average passer, like he's going to put up decent passing numbers, I think just because of the system he's in and the weapons he has. Lance is a guy I want to draft, but like you said, like at quarterback eight, he's, he's just priced pretty close to the ceiling. Like there's, there's no discount on Trey Lance right now. Mitchell is the next guy we need to talk about going in the fourth round. I mean, historically, if you fade the sixth, seventh round running back who had a pretty good year um, in the top four rounds, um, you win way more than you lose. It's, I know it's one of Nelson Souza's really big rules. I'm not against taking a little, I'm not a full fade on him there, but I'm not going to bend over to take him either. Well, it also seems like if you fade the first Kyle Shanahan back getting drafted, you, you end up doing well, you know, that was, that was Trey Sermon and that was Raheem Mostert this past season. Now, I mean, that said, it sure seems like Shanahan freaking loves Elijah Mitchell. Like every time Mitchell was healthy, like he was the workhorse back. He had, he had 17 plus carries in 11 of his 14 games this past season. He and does lose some work to Debo. He loses work to Debo. He doesn't do a lot in the passing game. He averaged just two targets per game. So yeah, I guess, I guess I'm kind of shying away on him in the fourth round. Like I, I think the risk is a bit bigger than the reward at that price tag. Um, but we'll see. You know, we'll see what happens in free agency because Raheem Moster is a free agent. Jeff Wilson's a free agent. So, you know, we'll see what the Niners decide to do at that position. I think they'll kind I of think tell every us year they one or two like, yeah. late running backs. And those guys you really have to consider because, you know, that's what Mitchell was. And, you know, watching yeah. Mitchell, he was good, but he wasn't great. So I'm not going to full fade him like Nelson, but not going to go crazy either. Yeah. Debo is going really high and you and i talked about yeah. certain teams we end up fading not because we don't like the guy but just because they they go so high wide receiver yeah. sixth right at the turn pick 13 i again i won't fade him because it doesn't make sense to fade guys completely in the first two rounds and there's nobody in that range that i really love I have no idea how I'm going to project Debo Samuel when I get to the 49ers like next week. Like, what an insane season he had! And so, it seems like forever ago, but you go back to the first eight games of the season, and he was a target hog. He averaged 10 targets per game over the first eight. He wasn't doing anything on the ground in the first half of the season. Then you look at the that was when Brandon Ayuk was in the doghouse. In the doghouse, right? And And then over the final 11 games. Debo only averaged 4.9 targets over those 11 games, but he had 7.3 carries per game. His efficiency, both as a receiver and a runner, was off the charts. Like he's he's not gonna repeat the efficiency. I'm definitely shying away at that price tag. You know, 13th overall. Brandon yeah, I mean, he, Ayuk he, is another guy that I would love to love, and I'm not against him, but I was hoping he'd be a round or two later than he is. What is he at um, wide receiver? He's a wide receiver 35 right in uh, the end of the sixth round. And, and the other thing, too, going back to Trey Lance, like you have to factor that in here. Like the Niners were already a run heavy offense last season. So I'm not sure how much the passing volume is going to decline. 
with Trey Lance, but the, the passing efficiency might decline. Like, you know, I, don't, I don't think Garoppolo is great, but he, I, I think, you know, there's a pretty good chance that he's a better passer right now than Trey Lance. So, you, you know, you might have the passing efficiency here take a bit of a, a dip this coming season, which obviously is going to hurt Debo and Ayuk. George Kittle, tight end four. Right now, I'd rather have Pitts at three or Waller at five for the reason you just mentioned. Yep, me too. And, you know, Kittle is interesting. If you look at, like, the, the final numbers from this past season, they look good. And he finished tight end three in PPR points per game. But Kittle had six different weeks where he finished at tight end 20 or worse. He just has a lot of weeks where he kills you just because of, you know, how he's using that offense, how much blocking he does. You know, he's, he's, oh, yeah. he's more, ga- he's he's more game plan blocker. dependent. Yeah. He, he's such yeah. a good blocker. And I, I, it's just hard to imagine that changing. I would rather have Pitts or Waller. I, uh, again, another Niner that I w- was hoping to get a bigger discount on than I am. He had those two really big weeks, those really big spike weeks. Uh, yeah. The problem was that most of your teams were dead, you know, sure. so he he only got back to 16% in the FFPC. He's going a little later than he did last year, but it's still, um, there's no guarantee you're going to get those hu- two huge spike weeks again. I think you will, but um, yeah, I think there's you will opportunity too. for more, but he, you know, again, he is used in the, in the past game a lot. I think that covers the Niners. We're going to finish everything up with the Seahawks. DK Metcalf now is right back where he was, which I don't get, you know, the end of the second round. Another guy that I was just hoping to get more of a discount on that I'm not. People just love DK Metcalf. Um, He's a fun guy to own. he, He finished PPR wide receiver 15 last year he was wide receiver six in 2020 if you look at his numbers Metcalf's targets catches and touchdowns were basically in line from uh 2020 to 2021 it was the 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 yardage was way down 1300 yards in 2020 just 967 yards his passes and the yards per catch was way down he just didn't make as many big plays this past season as he did in 2020 and that stuff can be kind of volatile so maybe that bounces back but i i have quarterback concerns for Metcalf whether it's Wilson or not. I mean, if it's not Wilson, that's a concern because, you know, it's just uncertainty and it, you know, could be bad. But even if it is Wilson, I just have concerns about Russell Wilson and, you know, whether he's kind of on the decline at this point of his career. Well, I think another thing we have to consider here is the the change in the league to that the double deep safety, right? So you're seeing so much more of that. That's going to affect a guy like DK Metcalf. I don't know how much of that was played against Seattle because they're such a run-heavy team. I do like Rashad Penny at his ADP. I think at the very least he resigns in Seattle or goes somewhere else where he's going to be given the rock. I mean, that's one of the better uh, deals out there. Uh, Running back 33, pick 100, you know, and Miles Sanders is right there too, who I think is also a great value. This is a range where I'm looking for running backs. Let's throw in. Yeah, I mean, Pollard was in there too. We talked about him. I mean, he's a guy who I think is going to have a higher floor this year and, you know, has has huge upside if Z kind of hits the wall. And and Kareem Hunt's in there. Yep. Uh, I like Juju in this range. This is a range where, you know, honestly, I, I, I think I might start 
taking one around ahead and a one after so I can build a little bit more of a bankroll on some of these guys. Mm -hmm. uh, it was similar to kind of where Debo was last year, where, you know, I felt like Debo was a two round of volume, but I was getting enough of him where at ADP that I didn't reach too much until yep. the end where I started reaching a little more. I think that's a strategy where I'm going to, you know, this is a good range and meanwhile, you look up here and you've got Judy, Singletary, Fournette, Goddard, Harris, Beckham, Ayuk. I mean, some of those names, you're going two rounds later. I, I feel like some of those names you can pluck early and move them up just to build a little ownership. Can we trade down in these best balls? Can, can I trade like I, a sixth round pick for like three eighth rounders or something? Three eighth round picks. I, I, I would do it if they let me. Yeah. I'm in on Penny at running back 33. I mean, the reason he was disappointing for his first three years or whatever it was is just because of injuries. Like he, to me, he he's always looked he good. Was raw. I yeah, I don't know. To me, he's al he's always looked explosive. And you know, I'm not going to say he should have been a first round pick, but a guy a, a guy who you know should have been a highly picked running back. I I think the talent is there, is what I'm trying to say, I guess. And uh, he just needs to stay healthy. And that, you know, it's kind of the same thing for every running back. They just need to stay healthy. Um, so I'm not really going to hold it against the guy that he didn't for the first few years of his career. He's still just 26. So he's kind of like, he's really like kind of in the, in running back prime years right now. And I would bet on him returning to Seattle. I think they like him. And I think they kind of know Chris Carson is not someone they can count on at this point. 37 million in cap space, uh, whether they will use it, where they will use it, knowing Pete Carroll, they'll use it on defense <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and Penny and just hand the ball off to Penny. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, yep. Tyler Lockett is fine at ADP. I feel like Gerald Everett is a bit of a discount right now. He's a free agent. You, you oh, expect he? him. He is a free agent. I would expect him back because he has that Shane Waldron connection. It's kind of why he signed with Seattle in the first place last offseason. My guess would be he'll be back. Their only tight end under contract, I believe, is Colby Parkinson. Everett hmm. and Will Disley are, are free agents. I think that's going to do it, my friend. I'm out. Tapped out. Uh, I want to thank you for taking part in this. Uh, you and I have talked about doing some more pods together. Let's come up with some subjects and get you back in here. Let's do it. I'll, I'll be done with my projections and probably by the end of next week, they'll be done. Yeah, I think that's where we want to go. And then we'll look at your projections versus last year. And maybe I can make suggestions and kind of uh, work on your biases with your projections and It'll also hopefully uncover some ADP values. I know I'll be having Dwayne McFarland on probably next week, and we're going to go through his utilization report and how to understand it and use it, maybe a couple other things as well. That's going to do it, guys. Thank you very much for joining us, and we will see you soon.